We want to become aware of your presence, God. We know that you are omnipresent, you're everywhere, but God, I pray that in this morning, this strange morning, this weird pandemic morning to where we're in your presence right now, but we're, we have masks on and we have steps to take and we've got all these regulations, Lord. Um, I pray, Lord, that in spite of everything that is going on in our midst, that we will be able to take this moment and just acknowledge that you're here. Acknowledge that you have a word for us. Acknowledge that you love us. Acknowledge that you are in control. Acknowledge, Lord, that there's nothing that we can do that will separate us from your love. We are here this morning, Lord, this morning, this early Sunday morning, because we want to be close to you. And I pray, Lord, that in everything that we do this morning, as we interact, as we uh, take communion, as we give our offerings, as we pray, as we listen to the message, as we worship you, God, that, that we will just become aware of the fact that you are here and that that will give us peace, knowing that no matter what happens in life, that you are always in control and you are here. We love you and we thank you. In Jesus' name we pray. And all God's people said, amen. You may have a seat. This is very strange, very strange from my perspective. Um, you know, I, like I said before, I'm assuming everyone's smiling and happy to be here because I can only see your eyes. Of course, you guys know that. But I, I am so glad that you're here this morning. And uh, even though there are a bunch of empty seats here, uh, you're here. You're here. And I'm glad that you're here. And I'm so glad that, that you have taken the time to hear the word of God this morning. And I believe that he has something for you. He's been speaking to me this week uh, really deeply into my heart. And I want to share with you this morning what it is that he's been talking to me about. And so we're going to go to our scripture. Uh, you, you'll find the scripture in Luke chapter 11. Luke chapter 11 and uh, verse 1. And so uh, the scripture's on the screen. If you have a Bible, you can look that up. Um, but we can, we can uh, look at it in our devices or um, you can also look at it on the screen. So Luke, Luke chapter 11, verse 1, it says this. Listen to this. One day Jesus was praying in a certain place. Jesus was praying. When he finished, one of his disciples said to him, to Jesus, Lord, teach us to pray, just as John taught his disciples. He said to them, when you pray, say, Father, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Give us each day our daily bread. Forgive us our sins, for we also forgive everyone who sins against us. And lead us not into temptation. Now we're going to go to Matthew chapter 6, verse, uh, starting in verse 4. It says this, also about prayer. It says, When you pray, do not be like the hypocrites, for they love praying standing in the synagogues and on the street corners to be seen by others. Truly I tell you, they have received their reward in full. But when you pray, go into your room, close the door, and pray to your Father who is unseen. Then your Father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. And when you pray, do not keep on babbling like pagans, for they think they will be heard because of their many words. Do not be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you ask Him. So this morning, I want to talk about the whole idea of teach us to pray. 
Lord, teach us to pray. Just like the disciples were asking Jesus, teach us to pray. That's the question that I hope to answer this morning. Teach us to pray. Because we've heard about prayer, we pray, we do all these things. But I believe this morning we will discover that there is something about prayer that perhaps we haven't realized yet and that could open some doors for us to be able to have a deeper relationship with Christ. So we're going to talk about that. But before, we're going to go to our church announcements. Hello, my name is Sarah. I'm part of the team at Downing First Christian Church, where we exist to love God, love people, and serve the world. Here are your announcements for Sunday, June 28th. We are so glad to welcome you back to our church campus. Please remember that if you want to join us in person, you can reserve your seats for service of your choice beginning each Monday at noon. The link is available on our website and also goes out via text and email. If you would like to be included, send your contact information to info at downyfirst.org. When you click to register, you will also find opportunities for serving as each gathering will need a crew of awesome volunteers to man the check-in process. We appreciate each smiling face that helps welcome our attendees even if we are only able to see your smiling eyes. And if you are choosing to remain home a little longer, we plan to live stream all three of our services on YouTube via a private link. To make sure that you receive that link, email your info to us. Otherwise, you can participate in a service later during the week when it is edited and uploaded. As we celebrate being back together, we want to remind you of a few things. First of all, as you enter, we ask that you not linger in the aisles to talk to people. If you would like to chat with someone, please choose a group of seats close to theirs and talk at a distance. And once you choose a seat, please stay there. For everyone's safety, we ask that you not mingle. Also, as we end our service, please stay in place until your row is dismissed. You will be directed through the front doors of the auditorium into the cafe to exit into the parking lot. In this way, you will help our traffic not cross those who are getting ready to participate in our next service. And finally, if you are new to us, we have a gift for you. Stop by Guest Central as you exit so that one of our leaders can exchange your contact information for a properly sanitized gift. We are so glad you are here and would love for you to make Downey First Christian your church home. See you next time. All right, so we're starting a brand new series today. Uh, it's called Healthy Church. Healthy Church. So we're talking about the health of the church. And uh, we see in, in 1 Corinthians chapter uh, 12, talks about the whole idea of, of the church being the body of Christ. And in the same way that our physical bodies need certain things for our bodies to be healthy, you have to eat right, you have to exercise, you get proper sleep, the same is true for the church. Collectively, there are certain things that we can do as a church so that we can make sure that we are healthy as a church. Now, one of the things that I think is important for us to understand is that we may think that the church is something that's like far away. Like we have to, we have to do things so that, we, so that the church can be healthy. So we have to do a bunch of things here, you know, change a bunch of things so that the church can be healthy. But we need to understand that, that the church is people. It's all about the people. And so we're only going to be uh, healthy collectively if we are healthy individually. So this whole series is really not about the church. It's about you and me. So what are the things that we can do as followers of Christ to become healthy followers of Jesus? And so for the next few weeks, we're going to be talking about different things that we can do individually so that we can become healthy individually and so that as a result of that, we will be healthy collectively. And so this is very important for us to understand. So the first thing we're going to talk about is prayer. 
Now, you may think, ah, I've heard that one before. Like the prayer one, like I've got that one nailed because I pray every day. I pray before the meals. I do all these things. And so like I'm not very excited about this message because it's about prayer. And prayer is kind of, prayer is kind of something that I already know a little bit about. Because personally, one of the things that I have trouble with is getting excited about prayer. Like I'll get excited about worship. I'll get excited about reading the scripture. I'll get excited when I hear a message, but it's hard for me to get excited about prayer for some reason. It's something that I need to work on because sometimes I feel like it's a chore. Like, okay, I, I did all these things and now I have, to, I have to pray. And so what I want us to do today is that hopefully we will leave this morning understanding that, that prayer isn't just an add-on to all the other things that we do as Christians, but actually prayer is an essential thing that we cannot and should not do without. So here we go. Talk about prayer. I'm going to start off with something that I think we need to understand, is that we tend to be selfish. Like, I, I tend to think about myself first. I don't know about you. Like, as children, we have this, the words that we say for the first time, you know, mine, for me, you know, it's all about me. But I think that we have a tendency to do the same thing as grown-ups. I think it was Copernicus in the, in the 1500s that, that discovered that the, uh, the earth actually, uh, uh, the, everything else didn't revolve around the earth, but that he discovered that the earth was the one that revolved around the sun. And so he was called a heretic. He could have been killed because there was this assumption that, of course, of course, we're the center of everything. I mean, the earth has to be the center of everything. And we look around at the stars, and of course, we see the movement of the stars and all the things that we see. And of course, everything is revolving around us, which is the center of everything. I think the same is true for us individually. When I was a little kid, I thought that everything revolved around me. We'd play hide and seek, and I would cover my face like this, my eyes. And I thought that because I couldn't see anything, that meant that no one else could see me either. But that's a childish perspective. Now, the problem is that sometimes we tend to think this way even as adults. You know, and it affects everything. It affects the way we interact, and it affects our view of Scripture sometimes as well. We'll read a Scripture. We'll read about Moses. We'll read about Samson. We'll read about the Apostle Paul and all these things. And we think that those stories are stories about them and that we should be like them so that we can be later talked about or something like that, you know, in the sense that, that like, our life is about us. And not only does it affect the way we read Scripture sometimes, because sometimes we read ourselves into the Scripture when, when Christ is always the center of the Bible, but it also affects the way we pray. I think it affects the way we pray. I think that when we think of ourselves as the center of our prayer, it affects the way we pray. Many times when we think about prayer, we think that prayer is about asking for things. I know that we may think that, yeah, it's not really about asking. And so we do different things. I will pray for different people. But then let's get to the most important part, which is what it is that I want God to do for me. And I, I fall into that same thing a lot. And the problem is that it really doesn't work that way. It just doesn't work that way. Like I can pray for certain things and then God will answer, but then I'll pray for something else that I felt like it was more important than this thing and he doesn't answer that. I've told this story before. I think my my a brother-in-law, he passed away like 17 years ago. He, he was diagnosed with cancer that he died 10 days later. And we did all kinds of 
prayer things for him. When we did the prayer vigil, we uh, fasted, we did prayer chains, we did all these things to pray for him. And God decided that he was going to take him home. Now, the strange thing about this story, and I'll never forget it, is that in the midst of going to the hospital and going to see him and giving him all the things that he needed, I remember that I, I was trying to park in the hospital parking lot, and there was no parking. And we just drove around. I'm like, this is, this is ridiculous. I can't find any parking. And I just did one of these prayers like, Lord God, please just help us find a parking spot. And all of a sudden, boom, there it was. And I'm like, thank you, Jesus. But then there was this contradiction in my mind because I was thinking, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. So God opened the door. He answered my prayer immediately for that parking spot. But then what about all the prayers that I did for my brother-in-law? Like, why couldn't God have taken some of the energy that he used to answer my prayer about the parking space and then use it to heal my brother-in-law? And so those questions would come around in my mind. And so that, that reminds me, and it helps me think about what we're talking about today, which is that, that prayer cannot be about getting God to do what we want him to do, simply, first of all, because it doesn't work that way. And so what I want to do today, in the few moments that we have left, is to remind us of something, not something new, but something old, Something that we find in Scripture, but that we can maybe tend to forget. You see, the disciples, when they come to Jesus, the disciples, they were familiar with prayer. Like the concept of prayer was familiar to the disciples of Jesus. They took their cues from the Jewish leaders of their time, which was all about, watch me pray. You know, I do these big prayers, and I'm going to pray, and everyone's going to watch me pray, and I'm going to be very eloquent. And so that was their perspective on prayer. Now, the interesting thing is that the disciples had that perspective, but then they saw Jesus pray. This was very interesting to me. They saw Jesus pray. And when they see Jesus pray, in verse 1, it says, One day Jesus was praying in a certain place. When he finished, one of the disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray. Isn't that interesting? That's very interesting to me. Because there was something, listen to this, there was something that they saw about the way that Jesus was praying that prompted them to say, okay, this is like, this is different. Like, he's praying different than what we're used to seeing people pray, or the Pharisees pray, or the Jewish leaders of their time. To the point where they were saying, you know what, Jesus, just like, I don't know what you just did. This is different than what we've ever seen. Please teach us to pray. And then what does Jesus do? He goes into the Lord's Prayer. And now... It's so good because this is Jesus, literally Jesus, teaching them how to pray. So if I'm going to take my, my cues from anyone on how to pray, it's going to be Jesus. And he says this. He says, when you pray, say. He starts with that. He says, when you pray, say. Now, it's very important for us to understand that when he says, he says, when you pray, say, he is not saying, when you pray, you have to repeat these very words that I'm about to say over and over and over and over and over again, and then I will answer your prayer. Now, I grew up in South America, and South, as a missionary in South America, as a missionary kid in South America, and uh, Catholic culture was, was everywhere. Catholicism is a little bit different in South America than it is here, but from their perspective, they would, they would do the Lord's Prayer over and over again. Like, if you sinned and you confessed to the priest, he would say, okay, you got to do, you know, uh, Hail Marys, it's, it's, you know, X amount of times, and the Lord's Prayer X amount of times. And so, the interpretation of this verse is not you repeat the words, he's giving us a framework. This is very important. He's giving us a framework to pray. And so, this is not a formula, it is a model. And so number one, he says this. He says, Father, 
says, this is how you pray. He says, Father, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come. Now, what does that mean? What is that? It's all about you and your will. Like, this is how I'm going to start. I'm going to start by saying, it's all about you and all about what you want to do. That's number one. Number two, give us each day our daily bread. Give us each day our daily bread. It's not about cars. It's not about vacation. It's not, um, it's not about getting things. It's literally almost the opposite. It's almost like he's saying, give us enough so we don't lose faith, but not too much so we feel like we're self-sufficient. It's not a prayer about prosperity. It's a prayer about keep, keep me in that balance between not too much and not too little. Not too little so I don't lose my faith, but then not too much so I feel like I'm self-sufficient. This is very important. And then he says, forgive us our sins, for we also forgive everyone who sins against us. And I love this part because it's almost like, forgive us, forgive us, yes, please forgive us, but forgive us in direct proportion in which we forgive others. So it keeps us in check. So it's, it's, it's almost saying, don't let us ever abuse the grace that you have given us. And then lead us not into temptation. You know, here's the prayer. This is a paraphrase of the prayer from my perspective. Free us from selfishness because it's all about you. Free us from materialism because it's all about you. Free us from unforgiveness because it's all about you. And free us from temptation because it's all about you. You see, in essence, he's saying free us from anything that will disconnect me from you and your will. Jesus, I want what you want. Take everything in my life that won't allow for that to be a reality. I want what you want. I want to be connected to you. I want to be a vessel of what you're doing in the world. Align my will to yours. Get me out of the way. You see, the problem is common knowledge is I need something, so I'm like, God, please give this to me. That's, that's common knowledge. But I do not see that in the Lord's prayer. I see more the opposite. I, say, I see prayer about clearing out everything that hinders you from putting yourself in God's will. It's about taking the interference out, the interference of materialism, the interference of unforgiveness, the interference of selfishness, the interference of temptation, so that you end up face-to-face with God and are able to see clearly who God is, who you are in relationship to God, and what we're doing together. This is an aspect of prayer that is so important for us to grasp. And this changes everything. You see, prayer is not about getting God to do your will, but more about you getting yourself positioned to do the will of God. This is the essence of prayer. In my opinion, there's more aspects to prayer, but I believe this one is very essential. Now, here's the problem. This is my problem, because I'm I'm struggling with this right now, because I want what I want. Like, I want what I want. I know that I should want what God wants, but I need for him to help me to want to want what he wants. That's my struggle right now. Here's the problem. I'm I'm my obsession. Maybe this is you, but this is me right now. My obsession is destination. Like, I want to know where it's going. I want to know where life is going. Like, I want to know what this is all about. Lord, please just answer me. Like, what are we doing? What's happening right now? That's my obsession right now. I want answers to my prayers. I want God to show me clearly what the next step is. I want for him to provide me knowledge and understanding of where, what I need to do, what's next, what's tomorrow, what's the next day. I'm obsessed 
with destination. Where is this thing going? I should be obsessed with God. He should be enough. That should be my obsession. You see, destination is secondary. Connection with God is all that matters. Back to the Mary and Martha story. You know, Mary, you know, Martha was all busy doing all these things. And then, you know, Mar- was it? no, sorry. Martha was busy doing all these things. And then Mary was the only one that was doing the thing that mattered, Jesus says. This will never be taken away from her. I think that that happens to us, can happen to me as well in life as I'm trying to, to do all these different things. And I'm like, wait, 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 wait. Like, really? Like, none of this really matters. The only thing that matters is connection to God. And so that's the, the whole idea of taking out all this clutter so we can be connected to God. Our goal should be his presence. This brings me to a story of my, my dad. He's a preacher. I'm a fourth generation of pastors. My dad says fifth generation. I question that fifth one. I'm not that sure about it. It's at least four, though. And um, so my dad would, would go preaching different parts of, of Chile, and sometimes I would travel with him. And honestly, I never cared where we were going. I never knew where we were going. It could be Quillota, Calera, Santiago, whatever part of, of, of Chile we could be traveling. As a, as a child, I never cared. I never cared. I just trusted my dad. Like he was taking me where we were going. And I, I, I missed that in my relationship with God. Because I feel like I should not be obsessed with destination. I should be obsessed with connection with God. You see, Mary was connected to Jesus. And that's all that mattered. And that, Jesus says something very interesting, very mysterious. This will never be taken away from her. Which I understand as this connection with God, it starts here, right now. We're connected to God and it never ends through eternity. Through death, resurrection, we're all with him right now. Which brings me to John 15, 7. I'm just going to read it. We don't have it on the screens. It says, if you remain in me uh, and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish. And it will be done for you. It seems like the verse is saying, I'm going to do whatever you want. Like, you just pray it and it's, and it's done. But it's very interesting that the emphasis in that scripture is, is, um, is on re- the word remain. Remain. So you remain in me. And you can ask according to my will. You will ask. So what will happen is you're connected to the vine, right? You're connected to Jesus. And then you'll be so connected to Christ that you'll be like, you know what? Honestly, I'm done praying for my will. Like, I don't, like, I'm just, whatever you want. And so you, what ends up happening is you end up praying according to the will of God because you're connected to him. And I don't know about you, but lately my prayers have been, you know what, God? I just want to do what you want. That's it. Please take out every hindrance, every mind, every, like all the things that, are, that I'm obsessed over, the future, where is this going? Please just take it all out. I just want what you want. Your kingdom come. Like just, just let me be a vessel for whatever it is that you're up to in the world. That's who I want to be. That's where I want to be. I don't care where we're going necessarily. I care who I am with. I want to be with you Jesus, I want what you want. I want to hate what you hate. I want for my heart to break for what breaks your heart. And this is where I hope prayer will take you. I believe this is what Jesus is talking to the disciples about. And so I'm going to end with this. I would say the best example of this is Jesus at Gethsemane. You'll find that in Matthew chapter 26. Jesus in Gethsemane, this is the moment when Jesus is preparing himself 
to die on the cross. He's before God. And honestly, this is interesting too. Jesus doesn't want to do it. Like he's in that moment where he's like, oh, this just got so real. Like, Lord God, please, if, if you want to take this cup away from me, please. But what does he say after? Not my will, but your will be done. This is, the, this, is the, this is so crucial in our prayers that we come to this moment before Christ. We come to this moment before our Father. Because maybe you're here and you're going through something right now to where life is just hard right now. And you need to come into the presence of Christ, to the presence of God and say, not my will, but your will be done. You see, the prayer has two essential parts. You're God, not me. And I want your will, not mine. And I wrote down here an, an honest prayer that I prayed this week. This I called it, I literally called it honest, honest prayer. Like all my other prayers were dishonest. This was an honest prayer. It's an exaggeration, but that's kind of how it felt. This is how it goes. I don't want to do your will. I want my will. I want to want your will because I know your will is better. I don't see it. Help me to want to want your will. You see, I got things that I want to do. I got goals in my life. I got all these things. I'm in that transition period right now in my life to where I'm saying not my will. My will is not good. God's will is what I want. I want it with all my heart. But more than that, I want to want it. Because when I think about it, I'm like, oh gosh, what are you going to ask me to do? Like, I don't know what that is, but I want to want that thing. So Lord, bring me to that place. And this will change everything. You see, prayer is not about getting God to do what you want, but getting yourself to do what God wants. And when you do this, here's, what, here's what's going to happen. You will get even more joy and peace than you will ever get by obsessing over your own will. So maybe you're here and there's things that you're going through right now. There, there's something in your life that you're facing right now and it's hard to accept. Maybe it's something financial. Maybe there's something in your health. Maybe there's something relational. I don't know what it is that you may be going through right now. And you're having a hard time positioning yourself in a place where you can just say, you know what, God, that's fine. If nothing ever changes, and this is your will, I want that. And the result of that will be peace. Not necessarily resolution, but it will be peace. This is a promise in Scripture. And so I'm going to ask you to close your eyes. I'll take this moment here, and I'm going to say a few words. Because maybe you're here and you've been, you've been praying wrong. Like I've feel like I've been kind of praying wrong lately I've made it about myself maybe you've made it about you and what you want and even though some of the prayers may seem noble like you're praying for healing and restoration all these things that seem great like we were praying for my brother-in-law but maybe you need to bring yourself to a place to where you can say you know what God I know I have my agenda I know your agenda is better help me to want to want what you want and so if that's you, and just nobody looking around, just your eyes closed, just raise your hand, and I'm just going to pray for you real quick. Just raise your hand real quick. Amen. Amen. God bless you. God bless you. 
Lord God, we thank you so much for the moments that we share, Lord. And thank you, Lord, for the hands that were, that were raised. And I just, I pray, God, that you'll help us to learn how to pray. That you'll help us be like the disciples to where we're like, okay, I, I've been doing it for a long time, but now I really want to position myself into a, a place to where I am truly surrendered to whatever it is that you want. I pray for the hands that were raised, that you will bless them and help them take their next step. And also for just everyone here, that you'll help us understand that prayer is not about getting what we want. It's about positioning ourselves and clearing out all the clutter so that we can do what it is that you want to do through this. We pray this and we thank you. In Jesus' name, all those people said, amen, amen. God bless you, God bless you. So now we come to our time of communion. And so I'm gonna pull my communion out of my pocket right now. Just pull it out right here. I practiced this in the bathroom earlier because I wasn't sure how this, how this worked, but uh, you'll see a wafer on the top and then you've got the juice on the bottom and it's got two layers. So you'll pull the first layer off. So we can go ahead and do that right now. And so we're gonna take, we're gonna take the, we're gonna take this wafer. This, this represents the body of Christ. And so the body of Christ was broken on our behalf. And then on my right hand, I have the juice that represents the blood of Christ that was shed for the forgiveness of our sins. And so we're going to partake in this, and then I'm going to pray, and then we're going to sing a song. But I just want, to th I want us to think about what we've heard today. I want us to think about the price that Jesus prayed, that, that Jesus paid, so that we can have access to the Father like we do, and we can pray and, and connect with Him. And so uh, I want us to take the, the bread first. Take it right now. And we'll take this next layer here off. Take the blood of Jesus. And now we're going to pray. Lord God, we come before you this morning. I just want to say, God, that I love you so much. And I want to thank you so much for all the patience that you have with me. You know me better than anyone. You know where my heart is and you know how how, de how how I can just sometimes not be at the center of your will and just want what I want, Lord. I ask you to forgive me for that, Lord. I pray, Lord, for our entire church as we, as we partake of these emblems, Lord, that represent your sacrifice. And we thank you, Lord, because you've paved the way for us to be able to access the Father and be able to pray and know that you listen to us. Thank you, Lord, for these moments that we share. We love you. In Jesus' name we pray.